Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in Spectrum of Like. I'm Jack by four four. This is my co-host, Instance Gaming. Say hi. Hello. And this is Mapcast, the unofficial Minecraft Mapican podcast that has a total of like fifteen views. Wow, that's a world record. So today we have a very vague topic, which is actually kind of good considering like our last episode had a vague topic and it worked out really well. Kind of po- it's actually pretty popular, but. <laughs> Today we're going even vaguer, and this time we have a really cool guest. So this is the Redstone Scientist. Say hello. What is up, guys? I'm so honored to be a really cool guest. Yeah, like I uh, I asked like instance if he was like a, if he was okay with this, and he was just like, <gasps> yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Well, here I am. Let's talk map making, guys. Yay. Yes. So today's very vague topic is called. Where do you go from here? Because, as you know, mapping has come a very, very long way, coming from all the way like Herobrine's Manson and stuff. That was like, can I can I give a bit of background on myself for people who don't know? Oh yeah, definitely. I forgot about that actually. Uh, so yes, my name is the Redstone Scientist or TRS, which for short. Uh, so I started however many years ago on YouTube doing uh, Minecraft command block stuff and Redstone stuff. Uh, mostly I became known for, uh, my cutscene generator and cutscene pro, uh, which are like spreadsheet tools to enable you to make cutscenes in Java Minecraft, uh, and then also mastering Minecraft. So I taught a highly produced, very, uh, animated, um, series on how to use command blocks. And it was sort of like, uh, to my knowledge, the first really good tutorial out there for it. Um. And then I also did Let's Play, but anyway, then eventually I was reached out to by these guys uh, called Everbloom Studios. And Everbloom Studios was like, uh, so if you don't know Everbloom Studios, they're like, if you've heard of Blockworks, they're like, they're competitors, basically. So the two biggest build teams at the time were Everbloom Studios and Blockworks. Uh, so Everbloom Studios was like, we have this, um, this build that we have that like our client was like, yeah, we don't want it or whatever. Uh, and we want to turn it into a build battle minigame. So I, so they were like, hey, will you do this for us? So I was like, sure. So I uh, put together a mini game, and we were about to submit it to Realms. I submitted it to Realms, and Moshe was like, so this doesn't work at all. Turns out I submitted the wrong version and lost the actual thing. So that map will never see the light of day. Anyway, after that terrible incident, uh, eventually the Minecraft Marketplace was announced on Bedrock Edition which I'm sure anybody who's listening knows about it and has opinions on it. Uh, and that's what I do full time now. So I ended up uh, creating a development team. Um, <laughs> I ended up created a, creating a development team uh, on, uh, uh, for, for Everbloom Studios. So I hired a bunch of friends. I, we went out looking for people uh, and sort of figured out how to get the team to work together. And that's how I ended up becoming both the project manager and lead developer. So I'm on the uh, more board of managers of Everbloom Studios. So uh, I help with design, and, uh, design procedures, and it's basically Matthew Banks, Tom Van Burkle, and myself. Uh, so that's what we do. And our focus is on storytelling, pushing the boundaries, uh, stuff that I was already doing with uh, Java with my project Wesley, which I won't get into now, but I don't know if that's been mentioned before. All right. You can really have some uh, history. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so also, I just, I just noticed, just, I want to just get a few things clear off the bat if we're going to be talking about the marketplace. Uh, so first of all, uh, I'm obviously in favor for it. 
of it because it gives me a job. Yeah. Uh, the like, majority of the income goes to the marketplace creators, and they're completely optional things for you to engage with. Uh, and that's all I have to say about that. All right. Yeah, we weren't going to talk about that that much because we know like it's a highly divisive subject. We all have opinions on it. But I guess it we does. Could... <laughs> well, so wait, actually, you go. I guess we could start off uh, with what does the saying in context of Minecraft, what does where do we go from here mean to you? Yeah, because like for me, it means like what we can do with like techniques and like, for example, maps that like what you said with Everbloom pushes the boundaries of what we can do with the platform. For example, like uh, Late by My Makers. You, you know that map. You were, you were a voice actor in it. Oh, yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it had a bunch of really cool stuff that, if I recall correctly, was actually from your project, Wesley. So I it like wasn't. That. It wasn't, yeah. but it was like, it looked like it, but it was not, in, I was not involved with the tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you don't know what he's talking about, basically you were talking about stuff like characters actually moving their mouths, having like reflections in the mirror, stuff like that. Uh, a lot of details and character movement and models and stuff. Uh, so what, what he's talking about with Wesley is basically it was this big adventure map project that I was planning on doing, and we were really deep into it for many months, developing all sorts of tools to help us animate characters fully uh, and... A lot of the tech that we came up with is sort of moot now because there are better ways to do things. Um, but we were inventing a lot of tech for a lot of things to really push the boundaries of what we can do with storytelling and map making. That was our goal to show that we can tell just as good of a story as anybody else in, in uh, any other game. Uh, anyway, it ended up being such a big project, we actually decided that it would probably work better as a like a indie game made in Unity or Unreal. So that's actually eventually going to be happening. So uh, that, that, that never ended up coming out, but it will someday because we still have the script. We still want to do it. We still got the assets. That kind of um, sounds like uh, the creator of uh, Red Power and how the author of that is kind of working on its own, in, its own standalone game now because it was such a good mod. Yeah. Um, and Jesper the End, or Jesper, however you say it, uh, who was a fantastic map maker back in the day, uh, his is the he's got the the only person to ever take a Minecraft map, have it be a Minecraft map first, and then make it into an app. He made a game called Z Game, uh, Z Game, and it's a great map. You know, Jesper is really excellent at making Minecraft seem like something that it's totally not. Uh, and then he developed it. It's available on. It got greenlit on Steam. It's also on the App Store, and it's a really great puzzle game. Uh, but yeah, it was a Minecraft map first. Mm-hmm. I find uh, Minecraft is quite good for that. You know, designing something—it's like a a CAD program. If you're thinking it's, about it's excellent for prototyping. Yeah, 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 excellent. To the point where, like, didn't like Telltale when they were working on Minecraft Storm mode, they built like the entire layout of everything in Minecraft and ported. Actually, to the we did that. Uh, Everbloom Studios—we uh, made the builds. Uh, not all of them, but we made some of the builds for that game. Wait, for real? Yeah, I don't. That was before I was there, but I know that that's like part of yeah, our but... history. Um, so, like, I don't know anything else about it other than that we did that. So, I guess that's like a, that's an interesting version of like a mocap. So instead of capturing people, it's capturing game like the game level. That would have been an interesting thing to yeah. see how they did. 
Mm-hmm. I want to highlight, in addition to to late by Mind Makers, I want to highlight um, uh, Onaware's submission for it was a submission after the contest was already over. Seth Bling, I think it was Seth Bling, had a contest for like who could make the best Minecraft story mode creation in Minecraft. Uh, and Unaware just basically spent so long on his that he was just like, ah, screw the contest. Like, <laughs> let's just, let me just put all the work oh, yeah. into he, this. And yeah, it's he, he created Redstonia. It's an exact replica of the entire sequence of Redstonia. Uh, like, it's in third person. It's got all the cutscenes. It's got, you know, the crafting, like, physically. It's, like, down to the most minute detail. It's an exact replica. And it is uh, stunning. Sorry if you can hear that. It's my bird. Um, it is absolutely stunning, and that's what I think of when I think of, like, where do we go from here? Because on the one hand, you've got stuff that's, like, prototyping really cool concepts and showing, hey, we can do this in Minecraft. Like, that's cool and all, but it's more of proof of concept. Uh, but, like, when you actually start applying that stuff in something like Redstonia, where you're showing, like, hey, this could be a game, like, if we wanted to make this our own thing. Obviously, it's a recreation. Uh, but... Make- it makes it's, me wonder how much of that story mode game could have been made in Minecraft frame for frame. I totally think the entire thing could have. I mean, I think it would have taken many more years. I mean, think about how long just Redstonia took him, you know? Uh, and he had to invent a lot of tech for that. Um, so you were mentioning before, so or the, the question was, what does it mean to you about where do we go from here? So uh, back in Java days for me, when I was working on Wesley, it was about how do we push storytelling forward through new techniques, uh, being able to emulate the kind of techniques that we have in other game engines. Uh, and now for me, it's Bedrock Edition because we've got such different capabilities. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of things that we're lacking, but there are also a lot of things that we have that are unique, such as behavior packs and uh, actual animations on entity models now. So we have a map coming out uh, called Trickster's Dreamland. Uh, that's not been announced yet, so I guess I just announced it. Um, and yeah, I can censor it out. No, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, and there's a sequence there where we have. Um, you guys know this. I promise this is relevant. You guys know the episode of Bugs Bunny where he's like doing, like he's getting into show business, but every job he gets is just like going out on stage and go, we're the boys of the chorus. We hope you like our show. We know you're rooting for us, but now we have to go. And it, like, that's the whole thing that he's in yeah, in every I show. Think, yeah, that does ring a bell. I think I remember yeah, that. Yeah, so we wanted to emulate that. So we have, uh, we wrote uh, parody music and parody lyrics uh, for that same thing when we replicated the dance in, in animation with three villagers. And it's called The Cartographers. It's only like 15 seconds, but it's, Gorgeous. Like they just they walk on stage, the curtain comes up, they do their whole dance, you know, in in like full animation, and then the curtain goes down. Um, and so like that's pretty amazing to me. That's something that like is really hard to do in Java, because you would be like animating that everything like that, like frame by frame, and then you'd have to like switch out each entity model and everything, and then you would have to have, you know, different bones. Essentially, you would have to recreate the animation engine in Java, but Basically, all we have to do is just like animate it in Blockbench, and then boom, like it's done. It's like its own its own model. And we don't have to worry about anything once it's in and the game. How long did that take you to get that little fifteen second cutscene working? Um, I could look up how long it took uh, Anna Animate to actually animate it, but it was shockingly short amount of time. Like, wow, definitely only a couple of days. And um, that's. 
that's yeah. what kind of speaks to me when I asked in context of Minecraft, where do we go from here? It's all about in, in the in the world of developing content for this game now, where do we go from here? It's just this world of new technologies and ways to automate the process. And from what I you just talked about in Bedrock Edition, it sounds like that it's the developers are adding more ways for you guys to make uh, cool new concepts and animations and content like that easier and easier. Yeah. So I, I don't like, don't quote me on this, but I'm quoting somebody else. Uh, I believe at one point Jeb said, there was a quote that he's like, Minecraft is not a game engine and it is not meant to be. And if people make games with it, that's great. But like, that's not what we're striving for. Something that's paraphrasing. Um, and so the difference with that is that uh, in Microsoft with Bedrock Edition, they are actually putting resources, like they're asking us, what do you guys want to make it so that you can make better content? What can we do for you to make your life easier? Uh, like being able to have uh, uh, the coordinates shown on screen, like they were like, oh yeah, I never thought that people would actually want to be able to see coordinates. And we're like, yeah, please give it to us because we can't work without it. Um, they, they really take what we say quite seriously uh, about what we need from them, how to improve it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that, that is coming that I can't talk about to Bedrock that like years down the line that would shock you if you knew what was coming in terms of like, the capabilities that they are unlocking for us that you would never expect to come to Minecraft. Um, but it, it goes to show that really they are committed to uh, doing what's best for the community and doing what's best for content creators uh, and simultaneously supporting people who are just playing Minecraft and the people who are keeping the store alive, keeping, who are keeping the community alive through these creations. That's really cool. Um, so. Something I wanted to bring up is, is in Late by Minemakers, uh, you can totally tell that's like, that's a Minecraft game, right? It's a Minecraft game with amazing detail. In, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but like, there are games in Minecraft, like, I think Inside was made in Minecraft, I mean, uh, Limbo was made in Minecraft. Oh, uh, oh yeah. But like, you know, there are games where you cannot tell it's Minecraft were it not for like the hotbar, you know? Um, so I've always been very impressed by that sort of thing. But at the same time, I feel like I think that there should be a distinction made between map making and well, I, I, gotta, I don't know what the terminology would use it. But like, I think it's a different art form when you're trying to use Minecraft as an engine to like throw Minecraft out the window as opposed to making something in Minecraft that is a game in Minecraft, it's obviously in Minecraft. Do you guys under, you, do you understand where I'm going with this? Uh, yeah. It's so like, uh, in our first map that we did for the marketplace, Jurassic Depths, uh, we had voxelized dinosaurs with extremely high fidelity. Um, and people really liked it, but one of the criticisms of it was that it didn't look like it belonged in Minecraft. Uh, so one of the things we try and do now is we try and like keep things generally in the same style of Minecraft. So nothing sticks out like a sore thumb. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an, that's an art in and of itself. Um, and so I think that, that 
really it's two different mindsets of one, you know, let's see how far we can push things in order to fool you as much as possible. Let's amp the illusion up as much as possible versus let's take what we have and let's make the best of it. And that's what you sort of have to do on the marketplace because you can't rely on like bugs and stuff. I think it's, we're getting to a time where uh, this, well, the creative side of this game, the content creator side of this game is looking more and more like a developer space for software. And I think that's in a way kind of cool because we're, you could to- I could totally envision a uh, job market just for this game, which there already is on the marketplace, which is a really interesting fact. However, I do think that there is, since it's, it's an uh, environment, a platform that's controlled by Microsoft, I think there is places there where some abuse of the system could happen, which I really don't want to see, but I'm hoping that that could be, that could be handled when it does come up. So there have been a number of things that have happened already, which I don't want to get into just because I don't want to get in trouble. I mean, they're publicly known about, but I don't want to take a stance on it. Um, needless to say, there are some partners that will abuse the system, and in order for Microsoft to protect themselves, they cannot do anything about it, else they will become culpable for it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. Where do we go from here? Turn turn Minecraft into another game industry. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, it, it is on, on it the marketplace. become that. Yeah, yeah pretty um, much. So going back to like the idea of the different ways of pushing the boundaries, uh, you guys know Energixer? Energy uh, XXer? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he had a really cool YouTube. I don't even think his videos are on there anymore, but uh, he had a really cool YouTube channel. He did a lot of really amazing proof of concept stuff. Uh, and all of his proof of concept stuff generally, I can't think of any examples, but like was really pushing the boundaries of what is Minecraft? Like, what can we do with Minecraft? Uh, and that's really cool and all. Uh, he works for us now at Everbloom Studios. And one of the things that when we were doing uh, interviews for the job is I wanted to see, basically, I did a trial where I had like people do like a map jam for like a, a prompt very quickly. And uh, I wanted to see what people did. So some people did a thing where they were like, look how much I can change Minecraft with the prompt you've given me. And then some people were like, okay, well, obviously I don't have a lot of time. So let me see what I can do within these parameters. And that's uh, what Energy is. So we hired Energixer and Red Nomster. So they're both on the uh, Everbloom developer team now. And one of the things that I think, especially for Energixer, that is sort of a... Uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but for me, it would be a culture shock of moving from being all about subverting expectations of what the systems are meant to be used for and moving to let's use the systems for what they were meant for, you know? Yeah. yeah. So like trying to like switching from trying to break the boundaries to trying to play within them. Yeah, I can understand how that can be off-putting, but like actually... Regarding Red Nomster, wasn't he working on like a thing called uh, Project Campfire? To straight yeah, up, uh, and as, as far yeah. as I know, he still is. But yeah, just... remember, he's not going to get paid for that. So like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's... It, meanwhile, he is getting paid for what he's doing on Bedrock. So I'm, I'm sure he will finish it eventually. But like, it, it's, it's challenging. 
this whole the time that we live in with this game right now is kind of reminding me of the whole the switch when youtube went from a a platform where people just uploaded stuff because they wanted to to something that they could take as a job because of advertisements um advertisements and the revenue that you could add for that and i'm really curious to see how this turns out in the long run for people who want to make this as their full-time job as someone who makes content for this game um this whole time where the the audience for this game is coming back around and there's new content both on youtube and in the the on in the content for the actual game is exploding more than ever it's really going to be interesting to see the stuff that is going to be created for the game and the people that are going to come on the come on board to record and like uh add stuff to social media about that content right and you you mentioned you know the the audience changing and the generations, you know, moving on, we have new generations of Minecrafters and all that. So generally we consider our target audience for the marketplace to be 10 years old, but our content generally aims at the higher end of that. So like 10 year olds can play it, but we also want to provide a challenge for older kids. Um, and one of the things you have written in the show notes here is uh, Exodus season three by Red's kingdom, who was, uh, he was actually other than me, the first developer uh, on Everbloom. Uh, that I brought on, and uh, specifically, be- I was specifically because I was so blown away by Exodus season three, and also on his work with uh, with me on Wesley. Um, so that is an extremely mature story that deals with, and I mean, it warns you at the beginning, like it deals with terrorism and like impacts of global warming, and uh, I, I, I can't I can't think of what the other like content warnings on there are. But it's an extremely mature story, and it handles the, the subjects very well. Uh, but we could never put something like that on the marketplace. Like, we're, we can't, we're not allowed to have any depiction of blood. Like, if they see redstone on the ground by itself without any seeming purpose, they'll be like, that looks like blood. You have to get rid of it. Um, they're super strict about that. And I understand, because everything that they sell on the store has to still qualify as E10 plus on their ESRB rating. Um, but like Exodus season three, that kind of brilliant masterpiece can only exist in the space where it does. And that's the thing about monetizing any platform is now you gotta, you know, you gotta get into uh, conforming to standards, conforming to ratings and stuff like that, which I still think uh, non-monetized platforms like making just, just making a Minecraft map just to make a Minecraft map is still gonna be something that's gonna probably take off on its own path with uh, standalone art installations like Exodus 3 for their more mature content storylines or mechanics that wouldn't work in a monetized environment like that. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what the, the content on the marketplace is going to be compared to what people are just going to be releasing just to release it on their own time and effort. Here's the yeah. thing, though, and, and I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, all right. So, like, actually, that reminds me of something. Like, uh, say, like, the idea that like we get we get money from like the marketplace, but like you have to, you have like the maturity level has to be a lot lower to her, for lack of a better term. But like, say for example, the map that I made, a demon within two, that like that has a bunch of stuff that is just straight up fucked in the head. Like you, you have like 
craps. No, nothing comes. Nothing's coming to mind. But it's really mature and stuff. Like if if that got I like that you that you described like, it as both straight up fucked in the head and really mature and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I'm surprised. It actually kind of pulls off both. But the thing is, if you were to put that onto Bedrock, it would like no, it wouldn't fly. Microsoft, Microsoft would be like no thanks. It's like, but on Java Edition, it brings up the for Java Edition, it brings up the idea of like, hey, we can have even stuff this bad, like to the point where it's like, to the point where it's like the ESRB wouldn't even touch it, like. And for the longest time, no one's ever done that stuff aside from like Red's Kingdom, as we said next to season three. But like, if uh, there are other exceptions, example, but yeah, yeah, yeah. If, for example, we were to like take these limitations, like no one has ever done the stuff. But just look at that and say, fuck it, doing it anyway, it could actually kind of change the way we see this stuff. Like, maybe this game isn't just for kids. Like, that's just... But that, that's that's not a maybe. Stuff. It definitely isn't. Um, yeah. Maybe this I, platform is can't... Maybe this platform can be marketed for stuff. Well, so, so here's the thing. Like, and demographic. Here's the thing. I think... I 100% believe that if there was a demand for it, an obvious demand for more mature content in the marketplace, I believe Microsoft would find a way to make it work if they believe that it would be profitable. That, because, mm-hmm. and there's been discussion before. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to happen, but we've discussed before, you know, what if each piece of content had its own ESRB rating and then it's at the parent's discretion to determine, you know, maybe there's like a parental setting about what level of, what rating maximum, you know, their child can buy. <laughs> um, but so I think that something like Exodus season three could exist in that space. Um, but also what we're doing is we still are passionate about telling good stories and mature stories. And so we also still in trying to subvert, we try and subvert the rules while, while still following them to the T. So, uh, in our map, a nightmare and candy world, uh, on the surface level and for kids, that is about, uh, saving King candy the king of candy kingdom from uh the evil lord sugar bones uh all over a cup of sugar and it's got lots of bright colors and lots of fun characters um it's actually a story about uh xenophobia and immigration uh and uh also the like we intentionally slid in references to donald trump uh that were were subtle enough so like Lord Sugarbones, during his boss fight, at the beginning, he's like, um, uh, you've come all this way, and now you know, I'm turning you away or something. And he just goes, sad. Um, I mean, it's, it's subtle, but, but we definitely wanted to, tell, we wanted to tell a story. We want our stories to mean something. And the same thing with uh, this map we're working on now that was just announced uh, in honor of the moon landing uh, anniversary, Space Adventure. Uh, the Dark Menace, that is probably going to be, when it comes out, the most mature story that has been on the marketplace. Um, I'm honestly a little bit worried about what they're going to say about it, like if they're going to approve it. I think it should be fine based on what I know about the guidelines, but there's, like, this, this alien race in this story is wiping out planets. And, you know, we're very careful with our language and how we, how we you know, phrase it. It's a map about genocide. I mean, it is. And it's 
really uh, up until the metaphor sort of breaks down at the end, but it's about uh, Germany post-World War II and its relationship to other political entities and about, you know, do we forgive uh, Germany and, you know, give them another chance? Do they not deserve to be part of the, the political discourse? And it's up to the player to sort of make that decision. Uh, and it's a pretty, it's an extremely dark story. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it's received by the marketplace audience. A lot of, um, yeah. A lot of the animations put out by Disney in the 40s and 50s is basically a, a, a wrapped metaphor of exactly stuff like that. Because at the time, mm -hmm. it was a relevant thing to teach. It was a relevant thing to teach in its sugar-coated state to the younger children at the time to understand their world better. But this whole thing reminds me of, uh, I recently watched a, a documentary on YouTube about uh, Mr. Roger and that whole TV show that with, went with on Tom Hanks? Or is that no? Not no the that's movie. not out yet. That's the documentary out. about the actual guy okay. and how the fact that he, for thirty years, kind of made this TV show simple, talking to children and educating them in this way that's still engaging to them, but still gave them the story that the underlying meaning and the philosophy that they were trying to get at. Which I think there's always going to be new ways to teach younger audience about uh, a younger audience about that. And I think Minecraft is no exception to that. It's something that we could definitely use to uh, both give a invigorating story, but yet still tailor it to the younger audience that this game has always had. Absolutely. And that, that applies to any medium. And, you know, people have been doing that since the beginning of time. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean? Uh, you know, being able to tell mature stories or, or sub subvert messaging, uh, being educational about it. Um, there's, there's a lot of that. Um, but I think that, like I said before, I think that that space may eventually be able to exist. Like, I wonder what it would look like if Microsoft approves, like, uh, a third-party store that, like, Basically, anybody would be able to buy stuff on there, but maybe like they get a smaller percentage than they do now, and like they could have fewer restrictions. Like I don't know what that would look like, but I could see it happening. So like on the Oculus Quest right now, there's all this controversy over Oculus not allowing like enough games under their store and being too discerning about uh, what games go on there because they're turning down a lot of great games. Um, and then you can also sideload stuff, which is perfectly legal. I mean, it's not encouraged, but it's perfectly legal. And it doesn't void your warranty or anything to sideload apps onto the Oculus Quest because it uses the Android system. Uh, and you can still go on itch.io and buy games with money that will play on the Oculus Quest. And that's perfectly legal. And I'm wondering if there's some sort of parallel that could exist in this space for Microsoft. It probably end, is going to end up doing uh, having that kind of third-party market anyways. Because if you look at any game, literally any game under the sun, uh, let me just pick out something like GTA V. The people who made GTA V didn't necessarily want to have all this side-loaded kind of mod, a modded environment, but yet people always come around and design and... Right, well, but the point is, are you, paying, are you paying for those? No. Absolutely yeah, not. That's so that's what I'm talking about. I think it's, as far as I know, don't quote me on this, I don't think it is legal for people to be selling Minecraft content 
no. or experiences without permission from Microsoft. Uh, somehow it is for Oculus, and I don't know how that works. I guess because you're technically, it's technically their platform, but like, I don't know. However it works, somehow it works for them. And I'm wondering if eventually, I honestly, I don't see it happening, but I think if it were to happen, this is probably how it would go down, is having some sort of a third party thing with fewer restrictions. And this also reminds me of another issue that I can totally see coming up in this now new platform that has been since monetized is people stepping on each other's toes with their content creations, whether that was intentional or not. Uh, uh, something that comes to mind is a map that, were, that was released years ago now, but can't remember who made it or what the title was, but I do remember that it was uh, an adventure map made around the idea of a marketed product, uh, the, the game band or something like that. I think it was the called. heist, the heist, the heist that yeah, that thing. Excellent and then map. it got into some hot water about the fact that it was selling marketed products. Well, it was trying to. I'm get, fairly it, sure that was like sponsored by Microsoft. Yeah, but at the time the game wasn't bought by Microsoft. So or, was, or by or by Mojang because it was promoting a Mojang product. Yeah, but it does raise the question of like, how far can you go with marketing your own stuff? So say it wasn't something that was directly sponsored by Mojang or Microsoft. If it was something else and people are trying to put that in there, which will eventually, I can totally see that happening. Someone gets an idea to market whatever it is inside of one of these things, and then you get all these legal troubles. It's, it's kind of like a history repeats itself moment because so, you see so that happening on so many platforms. I said I wasn't going to mention any more about it. I'll, I will tell the story without providing too much but there was a team that uh historically had been uploading things to the marketplace that were so obviously like trying to rip off famous ips N the not the least of which being a nintendo ip which is one thing you do not want to fuck with uh mm -hmm and uh disney ips as well and they were clearly like they were like knockoffs of it and it was clearly trying to look like it and trick people into thinking it was real like there are official sponsored packs like the toy story mashup like that's real and that was like pixar paid for that um and uh but not just anybody's allowed to do those basically there was a whole all this controversy over like, why would Microsoft allow this on their platform? Why would they allow this on their platform? Uh, so without getting into anything that happened behind the scenes, what I can say is that the moment that Microsoft takes a stance on that and takes it down, it becomes their responsibility for the future now to check everybody else's content. If there's an IP that they're not aware of. And then, and, here... and then they have to front the legal fees for that and then they're in trouble for that. But if they just stick in their role as a publisher and say, look, you are responsible and we are, le we are legally responsible for anything that happens with our content. They just act as a publisher for us. And uh, anyway, they ended up getting DMCA'd and they had to take it down. And here we're, we're starting to really sound like the whole growing pains that YouTube went through and seeing how that's going, currently going on. It just kind of has me in the back of my head thinking like, this is a really cool thing. I think the marketplace can become a really cool thing, but because it's a monetized platform, we always have 
these same kind of issues of copyright or they're always going to be bad eggs. They're always going to yeah. be bad eggs. The the and, one thing that is that is different though is that it's gated in that you actually have to be accepted to the marketplace. Granted, they pretty much seem to be letting anybody in now. Um, but still, it has to be you have to actually get in first. So this is one really like negative all of a sudden. <laughs> Well, it's 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 both points of the coin yeah. of where do we go from yeah, here? I could... yeah. On one hand, we have like the potential to improve, but on the other hand, like a lot could go downhill really quickly. Like oh, this, it's, could... it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. It always ends up happening like there that. was a and... there was a map a number of years ago on Java. I don't remember how many years ago, and I don't remember who made it. And I hope it's not somebody that I know, uh, but. It got sort of a little bit of attention because of it dealing with suicide. I think it was called suicide or something. And it was about uh, somebody like you play this guy and you like see various scenes from this guy's life. And at the end, you kill yourself. And it tried like it was clearly trying to be profound and like meaningful. And I thought that it did a terrible job of that. I thought it handled it really disrespectfully. Um, I don't think. I mean, it didn't cause that much controversy because it was just, you know, a fan-made map. Um, but, like, that would not go over well on, on the marketplace. And because now it's Microsoft, Microsoft is now associated with it, you know. But I, like you were saying, like, it's not all negative. Like, we're able to do what we love all the time, full-time, and make people happy doing it. And at least it's, well... To kind of close out my YouTube metaphor, it's at least it's not one of those things where the goalpost is being moved. To my knowledge, I hope it doesn't. But uh, I think if be... it if it is, it's very subtle right now. I don't think it is though. I think what's happening is people are trying to test the waters to see how far yeah. they can go, but the goalposts remain firmly firmly grounded. I... Uh, and I hope that stays like that for a while. Yeah, there's like, a possibility that it won't, and I'm really hoping it doesn't. So, actually, I can talk about that. So, uh, in the Bedrock Store feedback thing, and also in the M Minecraft uh, feedback website, one of the most upvoted posts is, like, let us buy behavior packs standalone on the marketplace. And I am vehemently against that. But a lot of partners and Pretty much every player wants that. So we just released a pack to great success called Animals, and it adds over 50 new animals in a custom world with custom terrain, and they all have their own behaviors and everything. Uh, and we needed to make very clear in our trailer and in our marketing, you cannot use these animals in your own world. It does not work like that. The marketplace is not set up for that. And people really want to be able to use it in their own world, which I get, and I, I get that sentiment. But... I am vehemently against allowing solo behavior packs to be sold in the marketplace for a number of reasons. One, compatibility, making sure that things can work together. And then you also have, you know, millions of people complaining about stuff that, that is not in your control. Um, also, things be possibly breaking your world, right? Like, there's no way to prevent you accidentally breaking your world through some update or something. And then people get upset that you broke all of their work. Um, and then also mainly the issue is that it's a slippery slope of what kind of crap are we going to end up selling? Like somebody makes a behavior pack that is all about camping and they add tents and they add all sorts of great stuff. And then somebody else 
comes out with a cheaper one that adds just, let's pretend campfires haven't been added to Minecraft. I know that they were. Uh, adds campfires, and it's cheaper, and somebody just wanted campfires. And then eventually somebody just like adds smoke, and somebody adds like, are we going to be spending money on just these tiny little morsels of content? And, and then that- are you going to, then you have to make them work together and be compatible with each other. And then you have to come up with a system to make them all, you know, to make that communicable to the player. And I just think, I just think it's, it, it's a terrible idea. That um, would not work. I could totally see that. But not working. Unfortunately, I think that in terms of like a corporate level, I think that I would imagine that like just seeing that post, the higher ups at Microsoft are probably like, why, why aren't you guys making this happen already? Yep. And that's kind of the interesting situation right now with what I'm more akin to uh, with uh, Java data packs and the whole world ecosystem of that right now and how it's not a monetized system as of yet. And I don't think it would work as you've said, but that kind of method of just distributing some files that will alter the world and it's completely like given as is, I think that could work as that. But if you try and monetize it, it's not going to end up well for the exact Because reason. also then you, be, yeah, you become responsible for it. In Java, right, if you mess up your computer trying to install a map, that's on you, man. Like, yep. uh, you can't, I have never seen, maybe, maybe it happens that I just haven't seen. I've never seen somebody go to the map maker and be like, your map broke my world. Or your, your mod broke my world and I'm so mad. Like, people are like, well, I guess I fucked up. Yep, because there's not really any legal methods to pursue it, which is good because it's, again, a a community kind of item. Um, But this kind of raises interesting points of how is the marketplace going to evolve to implement stuff like data packs because they're obviously a powerful item in itself. And one of the things that they're made for is to be distributed. A good example of that is Seth Bling's creations. However, what, how is this, what is the evolution of data packs as a specific example? Well, first of all, they need, first of all, we need like actual commands, not just like having people just use behavior packs for everything. Because like, like Tira said, selling behavior packs, not a good idea. I, I, I fear that it's going to happen. Like, I just, I mean, I don't, like, I'm not privy to any information about that, but I just got a feeling in my gut that it's going to happen. And how Microsoft and everyone involved, how they handle that is really going to show, like, shed light on how this is, how this platform is going to evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I think that one of the other th- problems with it that I hadn't brought up is that one of the people who don't understand the marketplace, their usual complaint is, why did you add microtransactions into Minecraft? I paid for the game already. Yeah, you paid for the game. You can play the game. You can play the full game, not miss out on it, literally anything at all. But as soon as you start modifying the main gameplay experience, now it's basically like you're selling, you may as well be just like selling cosmetics, right? You're selling, you are selling alterations to the game as opposed to standalone enclosed experiences like maps. Uh, you are saying, hey, like your friend can say, Hey, have you played this game Minecraft? And it has this camping mod in it that you can install. And now if people download it and they're like, well, I have to pay for that. I just paid for the game. 
you know, you're, you are, it's, a, it's dangerous to offer for money altering the, the, the game itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you're like adding like cu- custom experiences, like with Jurassic Depths and whatnot, and like, and, and cosmetics, then yeah, it makes a bit more sense. Yeah. Because like, it's its own thing. It's just using Minecraft as its engine. Like, personally, the only thing I'm against with the marketplace is, like, it's a Minecoins currency. It's, like, basically compares it to, like, Fortnite V-Bucks, but it's, like, the only good way we have, so and it's I can't also, really say you much. have to, because also, for a couple of reasons, one, you need to be able to, there are restrictions on the App Store that, like, I, I, Apple only lets you have, like, I, 15 or something, I don't know what the number is, like, a limited number of in-app purchases in a single app, so... In order to get around that, they had to say, okay, well, we'll offer you like four or five different coin pack tiers, and then you can spend that however you want within the game. And that gets around the restriction. Also, it uh, solves issues involving uh, uh, currency conversion, making sure that it's standardized for everybody. Um, and also, it's safer. Uh, and there's, there's like a lot of reasons why mine coins are a good thing. Really, the only argument against it is just that it looks bad. <laughs> I mean, that's it, really. However, but there's no way around it. If we go and look at any other, like the the AAA title game developers and their middleman currency that they've in, implemented in their games, the thing that's kind of a hot topic right now is the fact that some uh, people feel some game develop game developers for those AAA games make the usage of these middleman currencies, as I want to call them. Uh, and not not so cosmetic and it's going to be an interesting time to see how it's dealt with like that to make sure this doesn't envelop turn into something like the uh, uh case with ea for example mm-hmm. thing is people will vote with their wallets you know yes i i do i believe that and, and because yeah go ahead and because Minecraft has a younger audience, that's like that's not a good idea because you could have somebody, you could have a younger person want their parents to buy them something, not really understanding what it's going to be or what it's not going to be. Like so, yeah, everything's just like a double-edged sword, basically. We're we're reaching a tipping point. We could sum up yeah. all this with we're reaching a tipping point, and it's going to be yeah. an interesting roller coaster ride. No pun intended. Like you, like you said last episode, like it feels like the. Mainly the Java map making community is at like a recession right now where nobody's really nobody really notable is making anything and as such everything feels like it's dying down, but it's soon gonna start up yeah. But I think it's because it's certainly discouraging, you know, when people don't want to switch to bedrock and they're seeing bedrock people make money and then Java's sort of getting ignored. I mean, I understand that. I mean, think about use going back to the YouTube analogy, like let's say uh, I can't think of another platform, but let's just say Vimeo, right? Like, or let's say you've got YouTube and Vimeo, and I know this is not how Vimeo works, it's just for sake of argument. And people are both, are uploading stuff to both Vimeo and YouTube, and it's like, yeah, whoever, who cares? You know, whatever you like better, you can upload to wherever. And then suddenly YouTube starts allowing you to monetize your videos. And then all the people on Vimeo are like, but I like Vimeo, I don't like YouTube. So why am I? Why would I go over there? Why, why do they get to get paid, but I don't? You know? And I, I understand that, and it is discouraging. In its own right, though, I think uh, Java, 
since it has such a it's been the it was the original and it has such like a such a history with the content being created for it at the very least i'd be happy to see that the game the original java game is is kept around just for the sake of being able to see all the history that was had with it in the sense of java edition is not going anywhere yeah it's not however if people start moving over to other versions of the game for like bedrock for whatever reason whether it be the content being created is now mostly for bedrock or whatever that well i mean it's something like one percent of people who play minecraft play on java like it's that small yeah and i could totally see that getting but it's still not but it's still not going anywhere like they've they're committed to that yeah however i it's just it's such a has so much history behind it it's it'd be cool to see like in the future 10 years from now or whatever if this game is still as has well probably will have as much of an audience as in the past the um how people will go and look at what was created in java and look back on it and say what look what we can do now what look what we can do now mm-hmm. yeah come back to like what i imagined we were talking about was like where do we go from here because we have a lot you have a long way to go in terms of like creating ways to make all these platforms a lot better but in terms of, in terms of what we make say like uh, diversity three like we've we have functions and all that stuff and it's made like the creation of that map and the final result a lot better and we only have even farther to go and and pretty soon, like Microsoft's going to add even more stuff to Bedrock, and Mojang is going to add more stuff to Java, and it's all one company. Cool I mean, just just to be clear, yeah, they're just different teams, but they work together. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing: I don't know if I like. At what point should we just say, "Screw Minecraft"? Like, why aren't why are we continuing to make Minecraft? Why aren't we making a game engine? Like, like if you, you keep saying we have a long way to go. Yeah, yeah but at one point, it's not worth it. Well, not just not worth it, but like a long way to go to what? To being a proper game engine? Why not just make it? Like, if they wanted to, they could just have a whole team just turn it into a game engine. I mean... You know, they, 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 could do, they could do that, but they don't want to do that because that's not what Minecraft is about. It's not like they want to support creators in Bedrock for sure, but that's only one part of, of what Minecraft is. You know, really, it's about playing Minecraft. It's about playing survival. It's about playing in creative mode. And yeah, you, have like, a, you have a point. You don't want to lose sight of that. And so, yeah. excuse me. So that was sort of some of my thoughts on like why I stopped with Wesley because I was like, I'm trying so hard to make this into a game engine. And that's part of the charm of map making, right? Part of the charm of map making is using things in ways that you didn't expect. Part of the charm of map making is, is working around these things in order to make something amazing. Right. I think we can all agree on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, wouldn't it be great if we could just say like, hey, animate this guy for me and you can animate it in like a standard program and boom, it's in the game and working. Uh, or, you know, wouldn't it be great if you could just like, you know, write some C sharp for me and just, you know, throw that script in there. Now we have a health system like it, it's 
it's a balance between like the charm of it, but also the efficiency of it. You know, at a certain point, yeah, like I said with, with Wesley, I was like, all of this stuff I can do in Unity. I don't, and and like I've developed all this tech, but it's just so clunky, and it's going to take so many years to actually finish this. And I could do it in a year or two in Unity. And so when in order to keep map making alive and in order to still be able to call it map making, right? Where is this, this long way to go that you keep referencing? Where is that destination such that we can still call it map making and we can still retain map makers who love it for the same reasons they always have, which is the charm of it mm. and the challenge of it. Yeah, Actually, quite, yeah you have a point because like, uh, I'll be honest, I'm, I am rather short-sighted. I just see like what I can do with like creative mode and how we can like basically turn into a game engine. But you're right; it's still like it's still, it's still Minecraft. Game. It's still block game. You right click, you right click, you place, you left click, you break, and thus yeah, it, it, you, you have a point. Like you might as well just have like a separate, just work on the stuff in a separate game engine. Like eh, this Minecraft is always meant to be a, a sandbox survival game and. I think at a certain point that, yes, you, you do have to move on and try other stuff. But it's going to be interesting. That's, that's basically my okay, whole point. I, I have a theory on, on where the line is. So I'm glad you used that, that phrasing, a sandbox survival game. Um, I think the line, and I, again, I don't think it's clear where the line is, but I think another litmus test of whether we've passed that point is can you still call map making? Can you still call that a game? Like it's an art, it's we're game developing for sure, but like you're still using the mechanics of Minecraft to do this. You're still engaging with the mechanics of Minecraft to make a game. Like at what point does it no longer become a sandbox survival game? But now that, I, now that I say that out loud, that seems kind of stupid because, like, you could call Unity a sandbox in a way. I mean, a sandbox basically just means you're free to do whatever, right? So why is one... Maybe, maybe the difference is about intention. And maybe that's where the charm may, may or may not get lost. I mean, there's charm in Unity as well. I mean, we have the same... You know, in, in standard game development, we have the same problems of, of trying to work around limitations of an engine or trying to work out limitations of hardware and, you know, finding some brilliant solution that uh, uses something in a way that you didn't expect. I mean, that's a standard part of game development. The charm of map making is that's like all it is, because with a few exceptions, most of this stuff is not meant to be like, and you can use this to make a game. It's like, we're adding this cool thing for survival or we're adding this cool thing for people to use. And as a bonus, you get to use this in making games. So yeah, maybe like, it has to do with the intention of the developer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, what you said, like, given the fact that like Mojang actually started to like do stuff that works more in the favor of like these developers is a, you think that like Mojang would be on board with like this stuff? I think but... they Mojang kind of sees the point that uh, TRS has in the sense that it's it's a game that already has a, a purpose of being a sandbox game. Why can't you just go and do, if you want something more complex to that? Why even bother? However, 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I could totally answer that from the consumer standpoint, but I, I don't think that's what the conversation's about. I mean, from a consumer standpoint, people like Minecraft. People want to keep playing Minecraft. People like stuff in Minecraft. Like, ah, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, you, but, you but that's from Minecraft. a consumer standpoint, you know. But from a developer standpoint, and we're talking about, you know, passion for map making and, you know, why people are still or are not doing Java, you know, what drew us to it in the first place. It's the same things that draw everybody to game development, but in a more specific way, you know, with a different set of tools. Mm -hmm. Yes. Maybe there is no distinction. Maybe we've already passed that line of distinction. We just don't know it yet. Maybe it's just convoluted because we're basically like, it's a may have already gotten to the point where just we're making games inside of games or like how you can like make stuff inside of Star Starcraft, for example. Right. And the only difference I would argue with a game engine like Unity is rather than making a game inside a game, you're making a game with a tool designed for game development. Yeah, it's really the only difference. It's still game development either way. Now it brings up the question of can we put it on our resumes? Oh, I do. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I totally think so. Yeah. I mean, especially if people are buying it, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but even still, like, if I were Q Magnet, I'd have diversity on my resume. I mean, he also has, like, a Guinness World Record, so, like, I'd put that on my resume. And that's going to be uh, a quite the interesting thing to see in the future of people who do the game development soon enough. We'll see on people's resume other games. And uh, not only that, but like what they've done inside those games to either better the game, make something that wasn't supposed to be made with the game, or uh, improved it. And Minecraft is by no means new in its capabilities and, and culture of that. You know, I mean, they're Fallout mods. You know, uh, I did a voiceover for a Fallout mod that was just like its own game. And that's that's its own community in itself that could be talked about, of like modding communities basically it's a a rapper like unity it's something that was made to modify the game in a way that can be comparable to unity because you have the same interface of just programming instead of working around issues of the game itself so perhaps this distinction is not a worthwhile one you know i mean because we've established that the charm of map making exists in standard game development as well. So maybe we should instead be thinking about maybe where was the line? You know, if we've already passed it, if we're already like, well, it's, you know, a, uh, I forgot the expression, you know, a distinction without a, a distinction without a difference, then where was it, you know, before command blocks? And then even then you could maybe argue, well, it's, you're still making something. I mean, and then I think this just ends up becoming an argument of semantics. What do you want to call map making? What do you want to call game development? How much control do you need to have over your environment to be able to say things? Because it's certainly not about limitations, because you have limitations in any engine. You can write your own engine, but you've got limitations of hardware. Is hmm. it about the market? Is it about who you're marketing to? If you're marketing to people who play a Minecraft, that's one thing. But is it about like, oh, we're marketing to people who are on Steam? We're marketing to people who are on Itch? Or because even then, that's from a consumer standpoint, that has nothing to do with the actual process. So maybe there is no difference. Yeah. 
That's a very good point. I never thought about it like that. But it still, it doesn't feel right, does it? Yeah, because like saying there is no difference between like game development and creating stuff within a game with a game where you break trees and just fight monsters. It's still like, game development, but it's a different yeah. kind of game development. It's a uh, well, but it, that... saying it doesn't feel good, you know. Like, yeah. it, it makes sense logically to say that there is no difference, but there both, is. They're both game development. It's just different kinds. Yeah. In, in a way, if you're developing in Minecraft, you're artificially imposing your own your own uh, issues of trying to develop within these com- confines. But like you said, there it's comparable to making your own engine. However, making it in Minecraft has this its own sort of charm that I think about it because you're making it in a game that already has its own uh, its own quirks and its own play style in the case of like it's a voxel game so trying to for instance trying to take an idea that could be made into a unity game could be made into its own standalone thing and making a minecraft has its own sort of uh inspiration or philosophy to it this reminds me of a uh discussion that often came up before the marketplace existed it was more common to talk about it uh in this map making discord i'm in that would often come up is the argument of our command blocks programming. And uh, there people were generally pretty adamant about it. Like typically the way it went is people who did coding in like actual coding languages were like, absolutely not. And you know, maybe it gets you to think like one, but it does not in any way prepare you for it. And it's totally different. There's no, nothing comparable. I mean, people were very adamant about it. I always and, felt- Well, in a yes, way they're right though. I, I disagree. I think that it is absolutely programmed. Like, in the uh, way that it, like, doesn't prepare you for, like, the stuff that we I think it does. code. I think it does. It gets you I thinking think... that way. That's all you need to prepare. Everything else is syntax. I think it does, too. Um, as I've told uh, Jack in the past, is, like, with, uh, uh, as an example, uh, in data packs, you can compare the command blocks, the commands you put in function files to assembly. And if you look at the history of, like, an assembly language, it's been wrapped in so many languages like C, and that gave way to C++, right. and then we have all these high-level languages like Java and Python now. So the reason I brought that up is because it, it reminds me of that, that argument, because think about uh, before, I think this argument was much more one-sided before the marketplace existed, before people started getting paid for it, uh, because typically the sister conversation if you will to our command blocks programming is is map making game development or does map making prepare you to be a game developer you know uh and typically people were like if they thought that it wasn't game development then they were like yeah it sort of prepares you for it in the way that like you have to think about things and you have to design for the player's experience and all that but generally there was this impression of well it's not like yes it's developing a game but it's not anything like industry standard game development because you're not going through these pipelines you don't have these kinds of assets that you're using like you don't have the the production that that a normal game would come with and then that sort of usually shut down the conversation where and then people were like yeah okay i'll I'll concede to that but but at the same time like you are still game development, but but now 
that we actually make a business out of it. And we do have dedicated artists, dedicated programmers, dedicated managers, people, you know, we have a hierarchy, we have pipelines, we have tools that we use, we have all these different things. I mean, our workflow is the workflow of a game studio. I mean, we're developing games. And there's no question about that. that and it is comparable to an industry standard pipeline. It's probably easier because there are fewer steps we have to take in order to get stuff in the game because it's set up to allow us to put stuff in. Um, but same thing with Unity, you know? It's easier than having in your own engine and, you know, hard coding everything in. It's the conversation and argument has changed so much now that we're seeing map making as a business. And, and as any business goes, there's going to be, well, as any industry leading business goes, there's going to be some uh, hard questions to try and answer and some things to, well, as with all these industry leading businesses, what usually ends up happening is the people that do it first end up making standards for the people who come after. And I'm wondering what those standards are going to end up having to be. In either well, the to- standards here are the standards of game development in the industry. I mean, House of How, I believe it's House of How. House of How, they were an indie game studio, and then they moved to the Minecraft marketplace. Um, like, they're, they're set up as an indie game studio. Um, and so are we. But we've started with the Minecraft marketplace. We plan on doing other games as well. But... Uh, like we use the same kind of systems that, you know, any good game developer, game development company would use, or you know, uh, project management styles like uh, Agile or Kanban or uh, you know things like that. It's the standard is running an office. The standard is running a team of people working towards a common goal. Um, I would argue there are a lot of parallels in, in, in industry standard things for map making versus uh, standard game development. Now, in map making, I would say that most of those have not been adopted yet on a large scale, but just for our own company, for Everbloom Studios, I would say so. You know, people take this with varying degrees of seriousness, different teams. Oh. And the same thing with game development. You know, some people just do it on their spare time. Mm-hmm. So, like, basically, the, since we have, like, all this, like, organized stuff similar to what indie studios do now, like, I guess the line between map-making and game development is becoming blurrier and blurrier. But that's, that's the point I was trying to make earlier. Was there ever a line? Is there a line? You have the, a point the, the only distinction is that it's Minecraft. Mm-hmm. So why is that different than saying this was made in Unity and this was in Unreal? And this was made in Game Maker. And like and heading back to our main point, where do we go from here? Like maybe like the argument between the stuff is gonna change again and again. Maybe like maybe like in a straight maybe like out of nowhere there's gonna be a marketplace for Java or something like that. And stuff will change and we don't all know. these idea will change. I'm just kind of like, I, I, I'm going to be a really keen passive observer to all of this because it's definitely a game I love. I've played it for many years, but I'm going to be very interested in all of this. I mean, I've been a passive observer for this whole episode, but... Yeah, you've added some good points. 
All right. Well, this is carried on for what an mm-hmm. hour. Yeah. I'm like says it's supposed I'm, to go I'm, for like thirty minutes. <laughs> I'm totally like, I'm stymied by this question about. It's a paradoxical question. Where do we go from here? Where did we come from? If we're going somewhere, where did he come from, Cotton Eye Joe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like, where? I mean, we, we've said it before, but like, how do we? How do we get to somewhere that already exists and that simultaneously doesn't exist? I think we're trudging new ground in a way. I don't know. I, I'm I'm really interested in answering that question. Mapcast, the CRISPR Columbus of Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Well, this is the first, the first of like, oh, I, I can, that I can think of, of a, a game development system inside of a game. Mm-hmm. These are questions that have yet to be truly answered because you have to get again. This time. is not the, the like, this is not new. Like, Roblox has had this far longer than Minecraft has, and as far as I'm aware, is way more profitable. Like, We've discussed internally in our studio switching to Roblox because it is so infinitely more profitable if we're good at it. But like, none of us want to do that. Well, if you're to abstract this entire conversation, it comes down to what would you, what would be you, what would you be comfortable developing for? And in the case of right now, it's Minecraft and the new, the nuance of the Minecraft marketplace. Yeah. So, yeah, you think this is a good ending point, or is there anything else you wanted to say? Um, anything else I wanted to say is responding to people who hate the marketplace, so I don't think so. <laughs> I'm guessing there are a bunch of profanities in there somewhere. No, no. Um, okay, I, mean, good. I, I touched on a little bit of it in the beginning, but also, I do want to say, like, we work directly with Microsoft and, and that we interface with them every day. They're extremely kind people, extremely generous. They really care about us. They really care about our success. Now, maybe that's not true for the, corp- the corporate people above them, because we don't talk with them. And you know, they're mostly concerned with profits. But the people mm-hmm. who we work with really want us to do well. They want what's best for the community. They want to be kind to everybody and make everybody as happy as possible while still being a sustainable business, because otherwise they're going to go under. And it allows many of us to feed our families, to you know, support ourselves, to do what we love. And it's been such, it's been such a blessing to so many people, the marketplace. Yeah. And it's changed so many of our lives. And it's, it's, uh, it's one of those moments of history repeats itself. Because if you look back mm, 10 years, People who are starting YouTube as their full-time job, that was like, whoa, I didn't know that was a thing you could do, and now it is. Yeah. Let's all pray that the that Minecraft doesn't get an apocalypse equivalent. I don't think it will, but you never know. That's why I was kind of, I've kind of been playing the negative card this podcast, is to try and look at what could go wrong. And- the thing is, I think, I think it has a lot to do with the size. I the Microsoft keeps saying like oh well like we don't want to any, add any more partners right now because we don't have resources like because it costs them a lot of money to run this thing, mm-hmm. um, and also a lot of personnel. But like with YouTube, you've opened it up to every single person on the planet, and that's where things start to become disastrous 
because now you're trying to moderate the world. You're trying to have a copyright strike system for the world. Billions of hours, what is it, like billions of hours of footage a day. You're trying to automate it. Like, I don't think the marketplace could be run entirely by robots or AI. I don't think that could be done. I think you have to have the people who are reviewing the content, the people who are checking the, the uh, guidelines and things like that, because it's all up to interpretation. And that's the problem with YouTube is that they're trying to automate things that are up to interpretation. Well, we'll see, because you never know when in these coming months and years, maybe there will be an influx of people who want to create con monetize content for uh, the for Minecraft. You, it could happen, it could not. We'll you see what happens. happens. But uh, I'm content with where things are. So let, let me just let me sit here a little while longer, please. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, this is a good place to end it. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you for, thank you everyone for tuning in. Thank you everyone for coming. Like, I really, we really appreciate you, you being here, Kiras. It's like, my pleasure. I'd love to, you know, anytime you want me. Nice. All right. So, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Let us know any, let us know your thoughts in the comments. And until next time, see ya. See you guys. Bye. <laughs>